This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels great when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. But now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. So whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every drinker. It's crafted using bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grow 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. Plus, they can be used to make more complex cocktails, and you'll find those in the Seedlip cocktail book or on their Instagram account at seedlip underscore na. So head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirits. This is available in Canada and in the US and again that is seedlipdrinks.com and thisfamilytree10. Hello everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. The babies are in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on This Family Tree Podcast, episode 117. And we have tried to do this podcast a few times. (laughs) We are up at the cottage and the temperatures were too frigid because we thought it'd be fun to record outside Guys, by it's, the fire. It's minus 27 and our cords actually froze. Anyway, who do we have on the show today? We have an amazing episode for you tonight. We have Helen and Ellie, as you know as the scummy mummies. We've had them on before. They were fantastic. And over the last couple of years, Helen has written a book called Get Divorced, Be Happy. And it kind of details her experience separating and divorcing her husband throughout this pandemic. It started right before everyone went into lockdown in England. And she is now on the other side and feeling like herself for the first time in a very long time. And the conversation that we have on this podcast is, it's so candid. These women are amazing at sharing. It is hilarious. I don't know how they bring humor to certain situations, but they absolutely do. They're comedians, though. So you'd (laughs) expect that. Yeah, but, you know, some things are tough to talk about. And they do it with so much grace and love and laughter. I so respect what they do and and the friends that they are to each other, but chock full of amazing advice. Grace, love, and laughter. That's what I want my autobiography to be titled, actually. (laughs) (laughs) No, but truly, there's so much good advice, whether you are somebody going through this kind of experience or you have somebody that you love going through this kind of experience. We get both angles, listen to it. You are going to hang on to every word. I'm telling you guys, I, I love doing this and I love them. What if you have someone you're kind of indifferent to going through this kind of experience? Well, I'd still listen because then, you know, if you want to say something, they'll kind of tell you how you can say something. It's a kind of experience for everyone to listen to and enjoy, I think. <laughs> yeah. Whether you're going through it or not, know someone who has at the base level, it's just juicy gossip. Tragedy plus time equals comedy. Ab- you know what? It's Especially drip- with comedians. It's dripping with juice. It's dripping with comedy. And it's dripping with just real life talk. It's <laughs> good. So much dripping. <laughs> it's making me sick a little bit. But okay, what do we have in front of us here to drink? All right. Well, cheers, Shane. Oh, yes. Pass me my glass. It's over by you. Sorry, we're in. There we go. All right. So we got the Seedlip Garden 108 Caesar. So non-alcoholic Caesar, super delicious. We got some spicy beans in there. It's a cottage drink, a Caesar. It's always good, but I just, I didn't realize how much I appreciated it in the winter at the cottage. I always knew how much you appreciated it. (laughs) 
<laughs> Every time I bring you a Caesar, it's like you have the biggest smile on your face. How could you not? A Caesar, that takes, that's not just like grabbing somebody a beer and, you know, unscrewing the lid, cracking the thing on the can. A well, Caesar, Sheen. Let me cut you off here. All it's right, Because it's needed. Fine. They're pre-made in cans. <laughs> Let's not pretend we're like putting spices on the rim. Well, what we're drinking right now aren't, and those are oh, spiced oh, on I the rim. Oh, I appreciate that. I thought we we're talking about the Caesars I give you. Because yeah. you appreciate a canned Caesar. I do. Like a yeah, pre-made canned Caesar by Mas Clamato, not sponsored. But if I bring it to you, you're just as happy as if I put the celery and all that shit on top, the pepperette and whatnot. Well, my mom always does that. So she, maybe oh, when I, it's amazing when she does it. Yeah, maybe when I think of cottage Caesars, I think about like my mom bringing them with all yes. the time put in. But there's pressure. When a Caesar comes, because the person who made the Caesar, you have to show them proper respect. Of course. And the last time we had a Caesar, we were watching I Think You Should Leave. The fam- <laughs> Like your dad was commenting on the show and I was, I'm so into that sketch show. So I was really into hearing his opinion. So we weren't thanking the Caesar maker after it was handed to us. Just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. And we chugged it. And then, you know. We it was an issue. It was an issue, and as it should be, you gotta respect yes. the Caesar maker. And I did love that Caesar, by the oh, way. Oh, me too. And I want that to be known. Yeah, and, and anyone, like you know, if you're gonna make a Caesar for somebody, mm-hmm. it is an ordeal. Ensure a, ensure that they thank you. Yes, because it's messy. There's so much, so many ingredients. Oh if God, you really yeah. want to do it right, I feel like this whole episode. <laughs> I don't know why. It's a great topic, but <laughs> Sorry. yeah, the cleanups a lot. Caesars are great. That that's the bottom line. Moving yes. on. Different kind of cottage weekend. Good seed lip cocktail, good cottage weekend. Oh, different kind of cottage weekend. Yes, my my mother's here. So my mother, she has cancer and it's stage four. So that is not a, no cancer is good, but that is the worst one you could have. And she is about to go into chemotherapy. And it's tough going through that. So right before, she was in this period where she was feeling good. And then we thought we'd bring her up to the, your parents' cottage your family cottage. She's never been there before. And we thought it would be a great way to have her while she's feeling good before she gets into chemotherapy where she doesn't really feel like drinking or doing too much because it's very draining. However, the weather up here is so cold (laughs) that it, it kind of it sucks because she can't get out there and do all the things you'd like to do at the cottage. And I, I love a fire. And it was too cold this weekend even be warm around a fire for her yeah she has um what's that thing called Something. oh oh she was saying it i don't know what i don't know what it's called yeah her hands are always tingling now and her feet so it feels like she she's always extra cold so it's not like mm-hmm. how you and i feel because i'm fine around the fire oh yeah but yeah so she did have a lot of quality time with lucy and betty and uh she did drink last night like a college person <laughs> <laughs> Well, she was she's feeling a little tired today, as we all kind of were. And I was proud of all of us for that, for, you know, kind of partying it up last night. Because, you know, you mentioned we haven't been able to do much outside, like the things we might usually want to do. But I love that we have just been getting cozy inside and huddled around the inside fire and just hanging out like that because we haven't done that with your mom much. And it's it was so it's been so much fun. And if you combine stage four cancer with alcohol, <laughs> it's the ultimate truth serum because you can find out everything you've always wanted to know. There's a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode about how 
people with stage four, they're just like so wise and they can give you the best advice. So I was picking my mom's brain and learning so much about things that happened in my childhood and my sister's there. And she was enlightening Tiffany and I, to say the least. And you were sitting there the whole time and I'm learning stuff for the first time. Mm -hmm. And you must be, I don't know what, shocked. It didn't seem (laughs) like you were like laughing along with everyone else. It seemed like you were almost in like a a daze. Well, there's an, it's not too often that I don't have anything to say, but I didn't have anything to say for the majority of that because I didn't know what to say because I think I was in a little bit of shock, but more than anything, it was it was heavy. It was heavy. And I know you guys were laughing and kind of making light of things mm-hmm. and, you know, reminiscing about all these times. It was just tough to listen to. And uh, I really like even going to bed last night, you know, uh, up in our room, I was kind of pillow talking just about like, wow, that was hugely affecting. <laughs> it really, it really freaked me out. And, uh, it was it was definitely heavy and I I felt bad that I walked away the only one from this conversation feeling like kind of down mm-hmm. because you guys I like you said it was it seemed like a cathartic experience and you guys were all bonding over these conversations and then I was just like Boo, you know like eyes bulging out of my head the whole time uh so I felt like a dummy for walking away feeling upset and I wasn't even there I wasn't even involved in any of it and today, or this afternoon, my mom was feeling like everyone was, you know, feeling a little <laughs> hungover. We can admit that. So we watched Super Bad. Oh yeah. During, while Betty was, you know, napping and Lucy was having big girl quiet time, which I thought was a funny afternoon activity. It is amazing. <laughs> First of all, Super Bad is hilarious. It's perfectly casted. Watching it with your mom was so funny. I don't know if it perfectly holds up. It doesn't into, hold up. Uh, the language was very, uh, oh, you know, yeah. not of the times. But if you take all of that out of it, it is, it it's funny. The comedy's funny. The way Michael Sarah is acting, the way Jonah Hill acts, you couldn't think of two better comedic actors for that role. Like it's like so perfect. I knew people like that. I was like that. Obviously, it's it, they're amalgamating a lot of people's actual high school experiences. I feel like you were Miss Popular or something. So No, no, no. I was just friends with everybody. But hmm. what? <laughs> Definition of popular, Alex. Uh, what was your favorite scene in that movie? I think just the way, what's his name? Michael Sarah delivers lines. He always adds like a little extra line at the end. That's the probably the funniest line in the whole sentence. The way, the way he's talking to student, like a female student. <laughs> That those interactions yeah. are always so awkward when you don't know how necessarily to flirt or set up a date or all that stuff that's just so incredibly awkward. He nails so well. What about you? Michael Sarah also, but when he's singing these eyes to the group of guys doing cocaine at that party at like the older person's party (laughs) and he just gets trapped in the room and starts they think he's a singer and he's scared of them because they're all like guys 10 years older than him. They're doing cocaine. And uh, so he just starts singing for them. And he does that perfectly. The guys in the room are acting perfectly while he's singing. Everybody gets into it. And I love it. And then that song gets stuck in my head for weeks after. Yes. But moving on to my second topic. Let's Peloton use. You're using the Peloton now. You've probably used it more than me. Mm. You're beating me this year. I'm and, on a streak. Uh, yeah. How, how does it feel? Like, what's the Peloton review now that you've ever actually given it a proper chance? Oh, I love it. 
I love it. It's so much fun. It's so hard. It really is a hard work. Fun and hard. Mm-hmm. Because I like how Cody works me. Cody Rigsby, that's your trainer you've chosen. Yes. And I have loyalty to Cody. Although I, I do want, I, I need to check out other people because. I think Cody's too easy. He's not. He is. He's too easy on me. Why is he being easier on me than he would be? <laughs> but are you going to the max resistance of like when he says it's between 45 and 65? Are you going to 65? You don't think I'm taking it to the max? I sometimes go above <laughs> what he legally suggests you should. But for cadence, like that's how fast you're going. You but have I'm, to I'm match the res- cadence. Resistance. I match the cadence, but there's like a 20, uh, like, you know, 80 to 100. On resistance, I go to the max, and sometimes I go above it, and I always am in within the cadence. If I'm not within the cadence, I would lower my resistance. Well, look at you, Mr. Workout. I cannot do that yet. So maybe when I can, I will move off of Cody to somebody else, but I'm not even close to doing that. I'm not sure if it's because of your lupus, but a few times you have been working out as I'm in the office doing my day job, mm-hmm. which is kind of odd because we have the workout bike in my office. Most times I can leave, but a few days I had to stay in there while you're working out. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just because it's not coming out of my mouth, but you are breathing harder than I've ever seen anyone I'm breathe out of doing anything. Shape, you dingus. No, but what do you expect? You- no, but I've always been a hard breather. My face always goes super red ever since I was like a kid when I do cardio. Even at my peak cardio levels in my life, but you were my like, breathing is really intense. But then why suggest like all like dainty, like, do you mind if I pop in for a workout while you're working? I'm like, <laughs> no. And then it's like. <laughs> <laughs> like you, why not warn me? Well, I, I wasn't going to take it easy just because you were, you know, working on important work in there i was still gonna push myself if i can make the time say this might alarm you (laughs) and ask me to leave and then then i'll bail for 20 minutes or i'll say can you do that in an hour when i'm i don't need to be here look the amount that i breathe i'm assuming you can hear me from outside of the door when i do it typically you know i don't think it's a surprise to anybody that i'm a heavy panter did you notice the next day i took an nba jam break when you asked to do it again and i just went to the basement (laughs) That's why. Does it freak you out? Well, I'm scared for your life. Oh, so then I'm just going to die like the guy from, and just like that Sex in the City reboot? That went through my mind because we had watched that episode and then that happened in there. I don't think you're going to die though. No, but it is, it was alarming. I'm working on my fitness, okay? You got to just support the heavy breathing. Okay, it's uh, just very annoying. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) I'm not going to not do it. Okay, do it. I'm just having some funny banter here on the podcast. Now, let's go to Scummy Mummies, okay? Let's do it. But before we do that, let's tell everyone who we are supported by. We are supported by Mini Miosh, a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity, and they make the best basics for your littles. There's no substitute except no substitute. You know, they're your children. Dress them in the best. Yeah. No, I mean, fashionable wardrobe staples that are soft, comfy, and timeless that can be passed from child to child regardless of gender. Their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low-impact non-toxic dyes. What's the age cutoff for these clothing? Well, they now have adult clothing. So I... Yeah, I think that was like just for charity, though. What's for kids? Like, what's the cutoff? 
It's like four or five. We don't know. Older than that. Okay. Yeah. Go as high as you can is the point. (laughs) (laughs) It is the best. And they are on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it. And they believe that every little bit counts. So you can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree15, you're getting 15% off your order. This is available in Canada and in the US. And again, that's minimiosh.com and thisfamilytree15. And now let's get to the scummy mummies. How's it going? All right. How are you? Nice to see you. So nice to see you. I'm excited to meet Hugo Ray. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, it's a modern world, Alex, Uh, you know, and Helen's identifying as her own son now. That apparently seems to be what I love it. Yeah. Why not? I love it. Things are complicated and beautiful. Aren't they? This is it. How are you? I'm great. Busy and uh, losing my mind a little bit, but it's good. Shane can't be here. He's actually writing a comedy show. He's in the process of selling a pilot. So it's just like, it's great, guys. But I mean, now it's like me with the kids with the podcast and it's it's madness. I better get a payout after this. It's crazy. Yeah, I hope you signed a prenup. I thought thought initially when you appeared... (laughs) I thought perhaps you'd read <laughs> Helen's book, Get Divorced, Be Happy, and decided to take that advice. Alex. Yeah, this I'm is the launch. I'm disappointed you're still together. Helen, have you got that filter on that makes your lips? I know. Right? This is this weird filter that that makes my lips. What I don't, I don't understand. I, I put it. Oh, yeah. It's like I've just had had some milk. <laughs> you look like you're going skiing in the 1980s. It's I don't nice. know how to get. I don't know how to get this weird white lip filter off. It's so. Disconcerting. I, I didn't even know Zoom had a white lip filter. It's oddly specific. It's weird. It's very, it? it's very, it's very odd. Because if you can see, I'm wearing like a red lipstick. <laughs> and then if I do that, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, it is. Yeah, it's no a worries. joy to see you in in sort of like in real life, but in real time. Kinda. Yeah. The- it's as real life as anybody in Canada is getting right now anyway. But guys, happy new year. How is how is the holidays? How are the Christmas shows? Yeah, the Christmas shows were banging. They're oh, really good. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had one weird gig in a school hall and we will never go back there again. It was very, very weird. But the rest were in theatres and really fun. <laughs> weird how? It wasn't for kids. No, it was what was it? And it was just miserable. It was a cold college theatre and um yeah. Yeah, it was just anyway. You've got to have you've got to have the shit gigs to make sure you really appreciate the good gigs. So yeah, as with everything in life, absolutely, indeed, <laughs> indeed. Like the shit husbands, well, <laughs> which I'm very excited to delve into today. And you know, last time we spoke, so I looked at the date. It was February fifteenth, twenty twenty one. So like almost exactly 11 months ago that we last spoke we barely scratched the surface on this and I'm I'm excited to ask you about it now because I I feel like I can you've now Helen written get divorced be happy and that is out there if anybody is thinking about divorce if anybody's been through a divorce I say pick up this book obviously Helen and Ellie are hilarious and I don't know if you have brought humor to this but I'm assuming that it just kind of exudes from you anyway so I'm assuming it's in there to some degree and you know can you set this up for us so was it at the beginning of the pandemic or before the pandemic that you got divorced or separated yeah so early March 2020 the, the corona was it was just sort of 
just just getting started, really. Um, it was still but, a beer. It was still a beer in those it days. It was mainly sure beer. It <laughs> That's yeah. It hadn't evolved. Yeah, <laughs> it did. yeah. Um, <laughs> like a butterfly. Um, yeah. So um, I one night I was getting um, together my daughter's world book costume, and um, I she wanted to be Doctor Who, which is a great book. Okay. And um, I said, oh, well, Daddy's got a blazer you can wear. And I went upstairs and I grabbed the blazer that was next to our bed. And in the pocket of the blazer, there was something hard. And I thought, oh, that's his work pass. He's, he's lost his work pass. Pulled it out. And it was it was a love letter <gasps> from not from me. And, not from um, me either, just to be clear, not from me. <laughs> <laughs> that disappointed would have been weird, really. wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, disappointingly <laughs> not from Ellie. Because, um, you know... <laughs> That would have been easier, really. You could have um, worked yes, it out. so yeah, could have and, done a job share. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, so um, I instantly knew that my my marriage was over. the The woman's name on the back was familiar to me, uh, and okay. and and it all sort of made sense. And then um, he came home from work. It was an evening, about ten minutes later, and he came in and I went, "Oh, hey, um, do you want to just go upstairs for a second? I just want to chat to you." And he's like, "Oh, yeah, sure." And then he sat down on the bed and I threw the letter at him and said, "Good one, dickhead. It's over." And uh, yeah, and that was I think the fifth of March or the fourth of March. And then yeah, and then he moved out on the twenty third, and that was the day of the uh, global sort of lockdown. And oh, and that was God. it. And then. Yeah, so I was sort of in a bit of a tailspin, and and when I when I found out actually, Ellie was in Japan, weren't you, Ellie? I, I was. I had taken my parents to Japan, um, which actually, when I say it, it sounds like I take like as if I take them to dig- Dignitas to die or something. <laughs> yes, okay. Take them like, did you put them on a leash? Yeah, yeah like the Eskimos <laughs> to do. I took them to another country to leave them there to die in the cold. No, I took them on holiday, um, so I was away. Yeah, when it when it happened, and and and. One of, Helen's done many acts of great love for me, but one of one of the greatest was she didn't tell me. She didn't tell me while I was away what had happened because she correctly surmised that it would ruin my holiday, um, which obviously yeah. was, was the main thing. The main important thing in this situation was to preserve my experience of eating raw fish with some old people. Um, so she successfully did that. So it wasn't until I, I came back that she she rang me I think the day again even not even the day I got back I got back late Monday night and she rang me Tuesday morning and just said this is what's happened and I just said I'm 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 coming now and I put the phone down and got in the car um, yeah. so so yes now you know as, as a side note I, I have read that Japan does have problems with kind of just leaving old people to die so it, it wouldn't be a bad place to do that but um <laughs> you know in in not calling Ellie, I think that would take every every ounce of me. I don't I don't know how I'd react in that situation. And the fact I'm trying to even wonder how living together for another couple of weeks would be and what that would look like. But who who did you talk to? What was your outlet in that time if you didn't call Ellie? Yeah, well, I, I called um, some friends in Australia because, you know, because of the time difference, it was late mm-hmm. at night and I was in a tailspin. He spent one night with me uh, and then for the next two weeks, we pretended that he lived here. So he'd come home from uh, work. We'd have a weird family dinner, which I'd sort of like hiss and sort of going, it's lovely, daddy's here. Um, and then he would help put them to bed, like we'd take it in turns. And then he, once I was asleep, he would go to a hotel. And so right. we did that for a couple of weeks. And then, um, and then the pandemic was coming and I was like, 
we can't he can't keep living in a hotel and he was going to live in some share house or whatever and then it became clear he really needed to get a house and so what 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 apartment did he find ellie what apartment did he find to live well, in well i remember that period as well because then if you don't mind me saying it and he basically tried to move back in the house and he was saying things like um i'm going to put a tent in the front garden and live oh, in the what? front garden and what? Uh, he has no, no shame then, this man. No, it turns well, out he's a massive, uh, you know, see you yeah, next Tuesday. Well. But um <laughs> And I, I sent I sent him one of only two messages I've I've sent him since it all happened that just said, look, you know, this whatever's gone on, I don't want I'm not let's not get into it, but you, Helen needs to heal now and she needs space to do that. And you need to you've 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 made this mess. You now need to be responsible for sorting out where you're going to live. Mm. But having said that, I was also on the phone to I don't know if you have. Do you have Premier Inn in Canada? Do you know what Premier Inn is? No. You know what a Ramada no, is, right? Or a Motel Six? Basically, I was on the phone. Okay, to yeah, 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 yeah. Shit, hotels going. Will you take this man? <laughs> it was just so weird. And then and then it got even weirder because Helen said it's okay. He's found somewhere to live. And I said, oh, where? where? And she told me the road name. And I said. Oh well, I used to live there. What what number? And, and he is in the apartment that I lived in in my thirties, just by complete no, random. The, like the, the same, yeah. the same, not the same block, not the same house, the same rooms. He is. That living. is wild. That is so, wild. He's oddly, he's oddly uh, magnetized to you too. And Ellie, were you just as shocked as Helen was, or did things start to make sense? Because I know, I know, Helen, you mentioned that and. Somebody very important in my life uh, discovered that her husband was having an affair under the guise of friendship. And you're not going to assume the worst of somebody, right? Especially somebody that you're married to. You, you don't want that because what comes with that is the destruction of your life as you know it, right? And I remember in her finding out, she was shocked. But then as time went on, she goes, oh, no, this makes sense this makes sense. How did I let that blindside me? And then it was like grieving a death because the person that you once knew, they're not there anymore. Right. So it's essentially like grieving a death. And so like, Helen, I want to get your thoughts on that in a second. But Ellie, were you as shocked? Were you close to her ex? Um, no, not not very close. And I'll be honest with you, I, I wasn't his biggest fan. <laughs> um, but I didn't, you know, I didn't loathe him at that point. Mm. And I didn't, I certainly did not suspect him of doing anything like that. I didn't think he had it in him, to be perfectly honest with you. And I, I didn't know that he was very unhappy. Uh, I did, I, you know, yes, I was, I was hugely, hugely shocked. And, and a lot of that shock was actually to do with not actually him and what he's capable of. Which, you know, you know, th there were behaviours over the years where I thought, wow, like that's not, that's not cool, or I wouldn't mm. tolerate that behave you wouldn't treat me like that like that's weird when you're friends with someone and they're in love with someone and married to someone they've got kids with someone you're like well it's kind of not my business you know and and I knew that Helen mm -hmm. had put so much into the marriage and so much work into it and and she seemed pretty happy herself so it wasn't just the shock that he had done it it was the shock that he or indeed anyone would have done it to Helen to this person who was so loving who I knew to have this enormous heart and I knew how hard she'd worked at this marriage and she'd worked to make him happy and to give him what he needed and she I knew she'd compromised a lot of her own needs and stuff to to kind of make him happy because that's what marriage is right we all do that to an extent and stuff so yes I was really shocked that after everything she'd done and put into it this this would happen to her and I know it can happen to anyone I know that especially now but yes it was a massive mm -hmm. shock
And and with you, Helen, uh, you said things started making sense. Was did that make it easier? Um, no. I I mean, I think it just sort of solidified all those sort of slight gut feelings about things. Like he was always staying up late, always very protective of his phone. He never logged into any apps. Like so, he had like if he wanted to check Facebook, he would do it. He didn't have so you, you couldn't like. He was obviously messaging her through Facebook Messenger and things like mm-hmm. that. So he's just a bit sort of odd. And like at night, he was always on his phone and things like that. So that sort of thing. And then, yeah, and then he'd been on a few conferences uh, away and and things like that. And I was like, oh, that's when he was with her. And all those sort of things started to piece piece together. And, and yeah, and, and, and all the classic kind of gaslighting things about, you know, it being me and all that sort of stuff. So, and also I've done lots of therapy since and sort of unpacked all of that. But the, the, the affair went on for a very, very long time. And so I think that the, there was obviously the shock and then there was the rage about how dare he take four years from me while getting what he wanted from someone else. And I think that, that sort of portrayal is very cruel and, you know, there was, all the classic sort of signs, you know, going to bed without saying goodnight and all that sort of things. And that that loneliness that you experience in a in in a toxic relationship and 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 me always just accepting the crumbs from him, going, Oh, well we went out for a nice dinner and that was nice. But then it just and I think he was I think he was very jealous of the relationship Ellie and I had. And and he, you know, he said things like that. He said, Oh he you had Ellie. said he was, yeah. 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 He said you had Ellie and I was lonely. And I said, Well we're not fucking. I mean, we've shared it. We've shared a hotel room, but you know, we, we've we've eaten kebabs together in bed. But that was actually a nice dinner. Um, but you know, so, but like, so I think, and also just the shock of thinking you know someone for twenty two years. Like we started going out when I was nineteen, so I hadn't really had the experience of being in your twenties and having lots of different boyfriends and all that sort of stuff. And I just desperately wanted to make it work. I'm the daughter of a vicar. So, you know, it is, I took the marriage vows very seriously and all those sort of things. So, and, but yeah, I think the anger was very confronting because I'm not a very angry person. And for the first time I had to really get angry and I had two really good friends who are psychologists and they said, you've got to get angry. You can't keep happying it away, which is my classic kind of thing. Everything's fine. It'll be fine. Lovely, lovely, lovely. I do the same. Yeah. And I think mm. lots of women do. And and also it's a condition of how the patriarchy keeps women in their places as well. It's like, you know, hide your feelings, make everyone else happy. Yeah. So I think that was, that was the hardest thing. But but I went into deep depression and shock and grief uh, when there was a global pandemic and I couldn't I couldn't be hugged by anyone. I couldn't be with friends. And so I had to face this horrific betrayal and all these emotions alone. I mean, I was never alone because I could call Ellie every day and I could be loved. It's not the same. No, it's not. But in a way, and how I reflect on it now, it was it was good because I had to just sit with it and I, I wasn't distracted by going off on tour or all that sort of stuff. Yes, I got into lots of drinking and smoking fags and things like that, other distractions in other ways. But, yeah, I did have to really face it. And one of the things that I did was um, made us have marriage counselling or, you know, couples counselling afterwards because I thought um, I need to be able to communicate with him. And we we used a couples counsel that we did when we were actually married so he knew <laughs> what we were like. And in that way I could sort of process everything during the week and then I had that one hour in which I could tell tell him how I felt and I felt backed up by 
a professional counsellor and it's like, yeah, it's okay, mm-hmm. Helen's feeling this way and this, you have to have a relationship as parents, you know, for the next, yeah. well, forever, really. And that's the shitty thing. It's a hard thing. Well, You're that's, like, damn it, yeah. still have to see the fucker. Oh, but Helen, you know, it's hard, but he will die one day. And statistically, <laughs> statistically, he will die before you. I'm not wishing yeah. anyone harm. I'm just saying yeah. a fact, Alex. I'm just saying a fact. Has, has he been vaccinated? Maybe he's, is, is there any luck that he's an anti-vax? No, no, no. He's, oh, damn it. Um, no. He did. He did miraculously get COVID though over the Christmas period when he was meant to have the kids, and then the next, mm. the day that he tested negative, he flew out to Australia for two and a half weeks. But you know, the timing was impeccable. Anyway. What are the chances? What, what are, are the chances? chances? Um, yeah. So <laughs> slim. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, so w- yeah. Anyway, sorry. N- no, I, that's right. I want. I'm, I'm fascinated by the use of the therapist after you decide to break up and I also want to commend you like you know you said that you found the letter and then right away you said okay like we're over you dickhead to know what what direction you want to go in because I think even in the moment I think I'd have such a hard time figuring out what to do what I would probably do in the moment is get even so I think for me I'm really bad at saying my thoughts but I'm great at doing things so I would go out and I would do things and then I would come home and I'd say, hey, we're even. Now let's talk. I'm angry, whatever. But the talking is so hard for me. And so I, I commend you for being able to say something right away because that would be so difficult for me. And then e- continuing that through therapy. And I'm curious how you eventually told your kids because you're co-parents now, you know, you're doing it from different houses. But how, how did you bring that up to the rest of your family? Yeah, so it got to about like day 10 and, you know, this this whole him coming in, going to the thing. And I said, I can't do it. I was feeling really sick actually every time I saw him. And it was just, mm-hmm. it just made me very, very scared to be around him actually. And more things kept coming to light. And I just said, no, we've got to tell the children. And so we sat them down on a Saturday morning and I got a big bowl of sweets, a big bowl of Skittles in the middle of the table. <laughs> so I thought, oh, that's, that's, they'll like that. And we had... We'd both read up about it and we'd both agreed what we were going to say. So we'd sort of done that and did the whole, we we love you very much, but daddy is, daddy, we're separating and daddy's going to live in a different house. And, you know, they cried and I cried. And yeah, but afterwards the kids just kept going, why? Why? Because they didn't know, you know, there wasn't any kind of real signs for them or me that this was going to happen. So I think they were, they were really shocked. And then a couple of weeks later when I'd spoken to the therapist about this, that we decided to tell them it's because daddy had met another woman and and he said that's the wrong thing to do and there are consequences to that and that's the reason why we're getting separated. And for me, because I'd spoken to lots of friends of mine who had had separated parents and divorced parents and they said it was the lies that hurt them the most when they were in like their 20s and 30s, like the reasons for the separation. And so we told them enough information that they they understood why we had separated uh, and for us that was the right decision but I know everyone has different approaches but yeah and I think for them they just wanted to know they they said was daddy thinking of us when he did this and you know why did he do it and and so but one of the great bits of advice and it's in the book as well I spoke to the psychotherapist uh, Philippa Perry 
And she said, you don't just have one conversation with your children about divorce. It is an ongoing process. And um, so I just let them talk about it anytime they like. And I think that's good because they have periods. I, I remember about three or four months later on summer holidays and my son said, oh, mummy, stop being ridiculous. Let's just go back to how it was, you know. And, and I think he, he was like, oh, we've had enough of this now. Let's go back yeah. to the life we had. And I said, I'm really sorry, darling, but this is how it is. And we will make the best of it. And we are now a, a family of three. So, um, yeah. But then about a month after that, uh, the kids got to meet Daddy's new girlfriend uh, and that was a whole new set of grief and upheaval again because he'd had an affair with someone else and then quickly after that started a new relationship. Uh, and oh, so, not with the person no, that he was having an affair with? No. Only, for years. He, he was having an affair with her for years. Yeah. And then that ended, then he started a new one and then the kids got introduced to her, I think about a month afterwards. Yeah, so he'd been with you for just for the timeline, just yeah. for clarity. So he'd been with you for 22 years, and for many of several of those years, he'd been with someone else, and then he immediately went into another relationship. So, just I'm just I'm just saying, just just so the facts. Can you, Again, facts. Can, can you stipulate? Can you make these stipulations though, like in some kind of separation or divorce agreement? Like I I, I don't want to have some random woman meeting my kids because. Like I don't, I don't know how that impacts kids. My my parents are still together. Mm. Uh, my husband's, like Shane's parents, are divorced. But, and you know, I I know in some instances meeting new boyfriends or whatever was like tough. Mm. Are you allowed to make stipulations like that or you, no? You, you'd think or so. Does it not matter? You'd think so. And 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 you know, and I told him what I felt about it. Um, but ultimately, he has to make good choices for his children. Um, so yeah, and I think I felt I found that very hard because I'm overly protective of them, and so yeah, so I found that hard to for that was another sort of point of grief and 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 yeah. and, and almost a, another set of betrayal, really, because I just sort of I didn't care, I don't care who he's with, but when it involves the children, I thought that was really hard, and again, this is in this is in the book, I talk about that, and and the advice is. It's not great for children to be introduced to new partners and you should, the, the sort of rough guidelines are you should be with them for about six months so you really know that yeah. the relationship is solid before mm -hmm. introducing um, a new partner because they feel like mummy is being replaced. They feel like they're being replaced by the other children. Like So there's lots of issues and they're still grieving, they're still moving through their emotions. So so that was that was very difficult. Yeah, I think, I think you know, I've, I've had flings and I have never had, any kind of serious kind of blokes in my life but I've kept my dating life and my blokes you know I have two days off and that's my that's my fuck window uh so <laughs> <laughs> I like to keep those things separate thank you very much <laughs> that's the best you, you you need a proper fuck window in order to uh I think properly heal yes from any kind of trauma in your life yeah for that matter yeah exactly but that that is really difficult. So I, I can only imagine the first few months for both of you, you know, as a, a friend and somebody who loves somebody who is experiencing something new that they weren't anticipating. And then Helen to be experiencing this and to be grieving the life that you had known for 22 years with the pandemic, with the pandemic, that can be so isolating. And I, I want to know when it turned from grieving like how long it took and what was the process of it going from grieving and anger and sadness to okay I'm gonna start to you know try to get to know myself again try to get to know my new life try to embrace my new life 
Yeah, well, I guess it it sort of things started to turn, I guess, around like the May, June time. And that's when Ellie and I formed a bubble. Um, there was a thing introduced in the UK where you could be friends or share households if you were a single parent family. Um, and I remember, I think one of the big, big things that we did was record that podcast. Do you remember, Ellie? Um, and it was, I think it was the first day we'd seen each other. And we decided, you know, it's sort of a bit like pregnancy. For the first three months, you don't tell anyone. And we thought, oh, no, I need to come out about this. Yeah, I went to Ellie's house and we sat down. And we didn't write any notes or anything. We just sat down, the two of us, and talked about it. And and um, and when the podcast came out, just the love that surrounded me and, and the messages I got from all around the world, the response was incredible about um, the single parent community and all providing these amazing messages of hope saying, it will be the best thing that will ever happen to you, you're free and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, actually, I had this you know, Ellie and I have developed this platform in which we can talk to other women. And then suddenly I realised that this was a positive thing, that I could represent the experiences of a single woman and highlight the great stuff about it, about being free and about, yeah, and all the things that I loved about being a single mum. So I think that was that was great. And we and it, and it, for us it's sort of we're now in touch with a whole new community and I feel like I've got a, a platform in which to, to share that sort of stuff. So that felt that felt really good and it felt great to be able to talk about it openly as well. Like I told friends, but then, imagine. yeah. And, you know, Ellie, I think about my role as a friend or a, like a family member, somebody who's close close to somebody who's going through, you know, a life-changing experience. And I find that I stumble over words. Like right now we're dealing with the Shane's mom uh, has stage four cancer. And so I sorry. stumble. Oh. Yeah, no, thank you. And I, I often stumble in trying to be there like even right now I'm kind of getting clammed up because I have a really hard time as I said talking about difficult things and I I try to show love in other ways but maybe they're imperceptible like I'm just thinking about them but maybe to somebody else I'm just being normal and nice so as a friend how do you know what the boundary is do you just say to hell with boundaries and just go full force with love or how do you kind of offer support I think I think it depends on the kind of person they are, but obviously also the kind of person you are. And we all have different coping mechanisms. And, you know, some people, when something bad happens, just want to hide under the duvet. And some people go the other way and, and want to become sort of manic and industrious and sort of distract themselves with other things. And I'm, I'm that type. I'm that sort of second type. So I did things like make lasagna and you know focus on the business and started learning Italian like a wanker <laughs> and was just like I'm, I'm going to kind of fill my time and my days and, and fuel this rage this sort of energy that I'm I'm feeling into into other stuff and yeah and and to be clear my my sort of rage and my ongoing rage was 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 not really it became really not about what had happened it's not really about mm. the affair and you know I, I understand that people fall in and out of love and people have affairs and we're allowed to move on you know all right maybe it's not been done in a very elegant or kind way but we're allowed to move on and get over that my, my problem has been the ongoing um what I believe and perceive to be unkindness and mismanagement of the situation and the lack of care in kind of going we all make mistakes in our lives we all do awful things but really it's about when you've done that it's about whether you go shit I'm, I'm I've fucked that I'm sorry how can I make this mess better for you and for other people involved you know what who's the priority now and how can I you know how can I 
I can't change what I've done, but how going forward, how can I make this as easy as possible on you? And there was such a lack of that, that that made me and continues to make me incandescent with rage, which I've channeled into to-do lists, Alex, is the short answer <laughs> to your question. <laughs> to-do list. And so, so Ellie has just become the organizational queen in this. Yeah. And you know, it sounds like trying to take the reins on some things to allow Helen just the space and the time is what it sounds like. And Helen, how do you, you know, what's your emotional outlet, your physical outlet? Like how how do you process emotions when you're feeling upset, when you're feeling like you need to grieve, when you're feeling angry? Do you do yoga? Do you make to-do lists? Do you grab your vibrator? Like what does that look like? Um, she tries well, to make her to-do list with her vibrator and often there's yes. a terrible mess. <laughs> She gets it mixed up with the pen and then it's so it's awful. Awful, I know. Um, yeah, so so this is the thing that I had to work very, very hard at. I mean, my initial my initial thing was just to get, you know, really into the wine and the fags and all that sort of stuff. And then um it was the summer of yeah, about August and I had two weeks to by myself. And then I was like, oh, I'm just gonna drink every night. I'm gonna catch up with friends, I'll drink during the day. And then I had a horrific um, thing happened which I went out for a really boozy lunch and I was meant to come back and meet friends at my house and I disappeared for three hours and I still don't know where I am or where I was oh, I left a club at six and I didn't get home till nine and poor Ellie thought, had, was contemplating calling the police and things like that but I was just so out of it drunk I don't know what happened but um, my neighbours found me passed out on my sofa so I managed to get home somehow but that was a real wake-up call. So I got in touch with a friend who's a nutritionist and I did a, a three-week sort of cleanse and I got off the booze and fags and, yeah, went to a yoga retreat and all that sort of stuff. But I just needed a bit of a circuit breaker. And then and that's when I started getting into weightlifting and um, getting back into running and things like that. And so the physical outlet was really, really important. And I think, I, and, you know, and I that's when I also started getting into one-night stands. And I think in that two weeks I had four one-night stands as well, which was, you know, delightful. But, you know, I think emotionally I was I was <laughs> filling a hole. Um, so um, <laughs> Filling um, all the holes. Oh, so many <laughs> holes. Oh, the young ones are into all sorts these days. Um, yeah, so I, I think. the I think, internet. Yes, I know. Um, yeah, so I think I think I I had to have the crash, and my therapist said, "Look, you've had mm. you've you've had to have this sort of crash to sort of reflect on things." And you know, I think I did hide a lot of the emotions through drinking and doing doing silly things like that. So yeah, so I think that was a prop. And then, and then my eye blew up. Um, so. <laughs> Ellie, should we talk about, so, yeah, so during this period of destruction, I went in, I had a one night stand, didn't sleep, then went to my friend's house and went into a hot tub. The next morning, my eye puffed up like a massive um, shaved vagina and it stayed like that for two months. Um, oh and, my God. Um, yeah. And I had to have an eye operation just before my birthday. <laughs> what did, what happened? What was the diagnosis? Uh, I basically had a, had a, um, a very very low immune system and obviously had got some infection and yeah but they one of the things that they I was in there all day for these tests and they were scanning my lungs I thought oh fuck I've given myself lung cancer and then they tested me for syphilis I was like I am a dirty smoking <laughs> slut and now my eyes fucked <laughs> and I'm syphilitic <laughs> I'm, I'm riddled, riddled with, with terrible <laughs> vaginas, uh, all the vaginas. Anyway, um, good news is I didn't have syphilis. I just had a terrible puffy eye. So, Well, I'm glad for that. Yeah, but I still continued trying to do dating. So I would do go on dates with like... <laughs> 
hair <laughs> over my eyes. And I remember on one day I, w- I just wore big Jackie O sunglasses. And he's like, take your sunglasses off. I'm like, no. And when I lifted him up, he said, oh, God, I'll come back and fuck you when your eyes are gammy. Which, you know, he didn't say that. Yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> uh, but we didn't meet up again, funny enough. <laughs> yeah, funny enough. All right, ladies, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by Bravado Designs. They make the best bras that you can get your hands on. Nursing bras, everyday bras. You are going to love how practical and comfortable these things are. Do they have holiday bras? Holiday bras. Probably holiday colors. I know you can get a nice cinnamon or nice, you know, deep reds. Is that what you mean by holidays? That's exactly what I meant. Thank you. (laughs) I'm glad I can answer your question. But Provado Designs Nursing Bras are truly so nice. I started using them when I was pregnant with Lucy. And my nipples were so raw from, you know, learning how to breastfeed for the first time that my Provado Designs bra was truly the only thing that I could put over my nipples. And they were such a relief. So easy to use too like so practical and now it's great because they have an everyday collection so even though you know I'm I'm getting to the end within the next few months of my nursing journey with Betty I'm gonna just hop into their everyday collection then it'll be like nothing's changed same comfort for my boobs how are the everyday collection on your nipples just as cozy oh good I wouldn't think they would be just as cozy because they know you're not breastfeeding so maybe they would rough it up in the nipple area a little bit yeah no no but nobody likes the roughness uh in a bra I would say good point Mm -hmm, good question but yeah no same amazing comfort and you guys will love them so you can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com but regardless of which website you go to use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20 20% off your order. Again, that is bravadodesigns.com and this family tree 20. But we are also supported by True Earth. If you listen to our podcast, you know that Shane and I are trying to reduce our environmental footprint. That's not true. We are reducing our environmental footprint. We are in the process of doing it. And one way that we are doing it is through eliminating single use plastics in our household. Because with two kids and lots of laundry between the four of us, our laundry room has become a plastic detergent bottle graveyard. There's just stuff everywhere. It's it's not anymore, though. We got to live in the present. Oh, it, don't I, say it. it's what? become that. It is gone now. It was that. And We've now changed. It's gone because we discovered True Earth laundry detergent eco strips a few months ago and we have not looked back. So the detergent comes in these pre-measured soluble strips and you simply rip them apart and put them in the washer. It is that easy. And because the packaging is so compact, it's drastically changed the tidiness of the living room. You'll never go back. I'm telling you, get these. You will never go back. Even if they weren't as environmentally conscious as they are, it just makes your room so much neater. (laughs) And you're helping out with the environment and reducing, you know, emissions. No, absolutely. And, you know, (laughs) I don't think you're reducing. I don't know anything. But as a family with kids who have super sensitive skin, we typically opt for the baby detergent because it's fragrance-free, gentle on everybody's skin, and the clothes still come out so, so fresh and clean. It's great. So check out True Earth Detergent at true.earth and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 to get 10% off your order. You will love this product. Take my word for it. Again, that is true.earth and thisfamilytree10. And now let's get back to our interview with Helen and Ellie. Can I, can we ask about this? Can I ask about the dating life? And like, it's the, first of all, it's the pandemic. Are you wearing, in Canada, they were telling people to wear a mask for one night stands. Ah! And. (laughs) (laughs) 
You are only the best country on earth. I don't care just, what anyone says. <laughs> just, 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 just do it doggy style. Um, yeah. No, no, because it, you know the 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 world opened up in sort of like July, and so that's when I sort of hit my hit my stride a bit. Um, and you know, obviously there was periods where I w- wasn't having that, and now you know, obviously back on it. Yeah. So, but yeah, there was I got quite good at phone sex and a few weird nights of video sex. Oh dear God. And then there was the time that I accidentally sent a picture of my fanny to my neighbor because I was so drunk <laughs> doing, doing the phone sex. And I sent it to my neighbor at night. She, she was very good about it. Poor thing. And she doesn't that... mean, you know, she doesn't mean fanny in the North American sense, just to be clear, Alex. She front bottom. Mean, oh, sorry, I, front bottom. I'm, I'm, I'm quite understanding that. And uh, that is a, a loving neighbor that you've got. If she didn't make a big deal of it, that is hilarious. And yeah, the the video thing, I guess, is big right now. Like, how how are you meeting people? Is it Tinder, Bumble? Like, what's big in the UK? Tinder and Bumble, yeah, they, they were the main the main places. I I I met some I met some great men actually. I've I had I've, mm. and and some I've still stayed friends with. Others have ghosted me because they're weird. But yeah, I've, I've met a range of people from age twenty nine to fifty. Uh, and I just thought, look, I didn't have this experience when I was young, so yeah now yeah but I've learned I've learned a lot and I'm still learning shit about boundaries and behaviors and things like that and I'm not really it would be nice maybe you know it'll be two years this March and so maybe it'd be nice to sort of see what a proper relationship feels like but yeah I'm still pretty scared and I still yeah yeah and I still have that it's so I guess fucking around sort of protects my heart in a way because I don't go too deep with any anyone in a in a in a feelings way (laughs) No, I, I, I totally understand that. I have very little trust for people, so I totally understand that and that fear of starting something and starting something with somebody on Tinder, although Shane and I did officially get together because of Tinder because my cousin matched with him and then was like, oh, I found somebody else. Alex, take this guy. <laughs> but I, I missed out. I missed out on the Tinder thing because I was dating somebody and then we broke up and then my cousin set me up through Tinder with the, with Shane and then we got married. And Ellie, like you would have missed the Tinder thing. What's what's your take on this? Because I sometimes am like, I'm, I'm, I kind of miss the fact that I never got to go through it. Uh, yeah, well, I, well, I it was different. I, it was because it was the late nineties, two thousands. I went to university and all that. And in those days, you just used to go to pubs and bars and stuff and get shit faced and get off of people. It wasn't. <laughs> and then I went, and then I went backpacking. So I went all around Thailand and Vietnam and stuff. And I, let's just say I saw a lot of, in fact, Canada. Funny enough, I saw a lot of Canada without actually ever going there. And um, that was my that was my preferred flavor, the Canadian flavor. So, um, so yes, I sort of I sort of did all that. But but obviously my experience was was different. So there wasn't the same mechanisms available. I I am as a sort of I feel like a real old fuddy duddy sometimes when you know Helen's talking about Tinder and this and that and what people get up to and what they want and because I that's not my experience and I I find it you know I find all this forwardness I find it a bit odd but then I feel like an old Victorian nana and I feel like I should just <laughs> get with the get down with the kids. But, you know, I just I it does worry me. I do worry that men are exploiting these mechanisms that are available to them. And they're, and a lot of them are like kids in a sweet shop, you know, and, mm. and maybe that's fine if everybody agrees to that. 
but maybe they're exploiting exploiting things in other ways or not being honest. Do you know what I mean? I, I, it's a minefield, yeah. to be honest. Mm. No, no, I, I understand those concerns. And I'm curious, Helen, your take on that, because do you feel like, you know, there is exploitation or do you feel like Tinder has kind of leveled that playing field? Because you would essentially have the ability to exploit people in the same way. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I think that's it. And I think I'm learning more and more about the signs and, and what I accept as, you know, behaviors and good behaviors and, and how I'm treated in these sort of scenarios. Cause I, there are times where like I've got ready for a date and they've just canceled and obviously got a better mm-hmm. offer and, and then go, Oh no, not don't worry. That's okay. And instead of going, Oh no, fuck you. I've, I've organized yeah. a babysitter and I've, you know, this is a big thing when I've just sort of, and I think I've, you know, in the beginning, I was just completely blown away that someone wanted to have sex with me. So I was, I probably did things or said things or showed things that I didn't need to do because I thought that would make them happy. And, you know, well, it is a process and you and lots of friends have said you go through this particularly phase when you're very vulnerable and you're looking for, uh, not love, but you're looking for attention and you're looking and and you know almost to make up the deficit of the lack of desire and 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 feeling you know feeling young and frivolous and it's a bit of a rebellious sort of thing and in like the word there's one night where i matched with someone at, at six o'clock we met in a bub, pub at nine and then we were having sex at 11 i thought god this is mad this is a mad world in which it's so kind of it's almost like deliveroo you know it's like takeaway mm-hmm. um sort of stuff yeah, I mean, I'm sort of seeing someone semi-regularly at the moment and and so that's the first time I've, I've spent more time dating someone than anyone else. And there were there were times where I go, oh, I've got Thursday and Friday off, so I'd, I'd line up two different blokes. i go, all right, well, that one I can do Thursday and that one can do Friday sort of thing. So, yeah, I think, I don't know, but maybe I won't meet, you know, the person I'm going to have a relationship with via the apps because it is, you know, you only project what you want on those are those apps as well and it's a bit it's a bit sort of make-believe as well but yeah I'm still sort of finding my feet with it and um and it is funny like I'll 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 go out with a guy and and it's a really shit date and I'm like why did I waste my time with a stranger when I could have been with girlfriends and I know now I've had a good time and then gone home and had a good wank you know that would have been a better outcome (laughs) for my time (laughs) or even a shit wank to be honest even a shit wank (laughs) absolutely absolutely still better than a bad date to be honest yeah just a good you know good five minute um fondle with yourself is probably yes better really more efficient so yeah cheaper yeah yeah Mm -hmm. cheaper exactly don't have to buy the drinks yeah and you know getting ready for that first date i imagine would be a huge step to be like okay i'm putting myself out there right now and i need to feel validated i need somebody to want me i need to feel desired how do you how do you get yourself ready for that mentally, or or is there no getting ready? You just kind of have to throw yourself into it. Yeah, I look. I've got friends I, I was hanging out with on Friday night um, who have both been separated a couple of years and have just not gone on any dates because they don't feel ready. While I was I was literally gagging <laughs> gagging for it. I was like, I need to be I need to be fucked. It was a real primal thing, and and I sort of made a decision that I wasn't going to have any kind of hang-ups about what I look like naked. And I know lots of women who've contacted me going, oh, how do you do that? Like, I feel really weird about that. I've had two children. I've got stretch marks. I'm bigger and I'm, you know, wobblier and hairier. And I thought, let's just see what it's like to be naked in front of a man and see what happens. Because, and I won't apologise for anything. 
And there was no complaints. There was no, there's no, no one has ever complained about what I look like or who who said anything negative about me, even though I probably got a list of a hundred things I could probably say negatively about myself. But, you know, I I just made that decision because men aren't going, oh, sorry, I didn't shave my legs, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And and everybody's a little hairier in the pandemic too, I think. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So, so I think, and I really enjoyed I really enjoyed meeting younger men and they were really enthusiastic and that felt like a bit of a confidence boost. So, yeah, I've enjoyed all those sort of things. But, yeah, I, the highs and lows of it can be brutal. Like when, when you had a one-night stand and you thought, oh, that was really great, and then they just do not reply to any of your text messages and you're like, oh, I've been used. And, yeah. and, that's, and that's, that's not fun. But then I was like, well, did I use him? Like was it that the agreement? So I think, yeah, and I know friends who said they can't have sex with someone because they immediately fall in love with them. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's that. But anyway, okay, keep learning. It's a process. <laughs> everything, everything is, you know, every step of this way. And, you know, at the at the point that you're at right now, are you looking for something? Do you want a relationship or are you just trying to embrace uh, being single? Yeah, I think I do want a relationship. I think it'd be nice. Like the person I sort of see once a week, we now like cook dinner together and we watch films together and we snuggle and and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, he's not a forever guy and I I get that as well. But, you know, that feels like a nice little practice relationship more than anything else. And he is nine years younger than me. Um, (laughs) um, So, Does Ellie know this guy? I'm familiar with his work. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. So is he in the same industry? No, no. He works in a different creative industry, but yeah. Um, So that's sort of fun. Uh, That's just fun for now. Uh, Yeah. So I don't know. I think if I wanted to have a relationship with someone, I need to have someone who's a bit more grown up. And I think, Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe somebody who's also a parent because there is something about, you know, understanding what it's like, you know, I, I go home he's a single young man I go home and then I'm like oh I've got to do four loads of washing and make sure everything's ready for school and like my 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 plate is full and so for that sort of having that kind of understanding would be would be good uh, I saw a post that you guys put up I don't know if it was on Helen's account or the scummy mommy's account but it was about the ring and like the time you know if you take off your wedding ring the amount of time it takes for your finger to heal and like to get rid of that indent and is it healed yet? And is that representative of how long it takes to heal emotionally? Yeah, there's an, a fantastic actress. She actually is actually Canadian called Tanya Moody. And she said, look, it takes two years. It does take two years. And it, that's almost how long it's taken to heal my ring. But Ellie, would you would you like to tell everyone about my ring removal? Because Ellie was very much instrumental in, in removing my, my wedding ring. <laughs> she- well, yes, because we went we went away for the weekend to a place called Deal, which is on the coast here in the south of England, uh, with our friend Jesse, who's my my oldest friend. I've known Jesse since I was born. So um, yeah, anyway, so we went and and Helen, it was it was a it was a few months after it all happened, and and Helen still had the ring on, and she couldn't get it off. So um, Jesse's the nurse, so she had all these suggestions involving oil and thread <laughs> and all this stuff, and we couldn't get it off. And I was sort of googling around the internet, and then I read on the internet that if you go to a fire station they will take off rings for you and I was like well fuck it let's just fucking do it I think we tried to ring the fire station and no one answered and I was like let's just fucking go down there oh so we had a lovely walk along the seafront the next about an hour 
beautiful along by the sea we walked to this fire station and um there were these four blokes just hanging out in their fireman's outfits and uh, uniforms probably the best word anyway and uh, we were like will you will you take this woman's ring off and they were like yeah fine and uh, so they got out these pliers and like kitchen roll and washing up liquid and all these all these sort of items i, I think they probably yeah. had done it before then there was no meeting a uh, hot firefighter after that um no they were very respectful i loved that they were very they were very sort of british they were very sort of very polite yes madam certainly you know come and sit here no problem very fight kind and firm but they didn't ask any you know they didn't want to know the backstory or they weren't nosy they were just like yeah we'll take the ring off no problem and they literally Mm. pulled helen's ring apart these men and uh and well jesse and i looked on very aroused i'm just gonna say very (laughs) it was very erotic the whole scene uh was very very exciting for all of us uh and then and then we we left and uh, we yeah. did send them we sent them a crate of beer to say thank you afterwards so um <laughs> it was so it was a great day and I was quite on a serious note I was a little bit nervous about it and I was like this is a big deal and this is kind of a silly thing and you know I hope we're not pushing Helen into this and maybe she's not ready and that's is it going to be a big thing when this ring comes off but she mm-hmm. didn't give a fuck we just went to the pub and it was absolutely fine yeah <laughs> well, that's a that's a really cinematic way for it to happen it did. It did feel like it, yeah. And I, and I, you know, I hope, I hope the book becomes a film because it will be very yes. much in slow motion. And <laughs> they were fit. Yes. They're really fit blokes. They came out in their yes. tight t shirts. But yeah, I'm just... watching that movie. Yes, I see. Should. I see Hugh Jackman and Zac Efron as the key firemen. <laughs> uh, in my, in my, uh, let's say, in the images I have in my head. Let's just say mm. that. I'll, I'll swap. I'll swap your Zac Efron for Idris Elba, and then I'm Ooh. good. I'm, well, I'm there buying are four a ticket. Of them. There are four of them, so okay. we'll have Idris in. Yeah, let's have Idris. Who else? Should we oh, have? and and um and Momoa. Oh, Momoa. Momoa oh, can Momoa. come in. Yeah, Jason yeah. Momoa. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I don't know. Me. Shane. Shane knows my favorite guy. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Outlander, but Sam Hewen. I'd oh, throw him in there. Oh, I don't. I don't. Know. I'll, I'll be googling that for later. Go- Sam Hewen. You should. That's one for the bank. You. You. You need to. Um, and I'm curious. So about the book, when when was it officially published, and what does your ex say about this being published? <laughs> the thing. So, okay, so it was published in July uh, last year. So it's been out for six months, and he's only said one thing about it. It was he found out it through googling. Um, Penguin had put it up on their website saying Helen Thorne would be writing a book, and this was in the March. And he said, "Oh, I knew you'd do something like this." And I go, "Yeah." <laughs> And that was the conversation. <laughs> and well, I would have said, "And why are you googling me?" Uh, weird. Yeah. Uh, do you ever do you ever Google him? Do you ever creep him? Like I still look at my ex boyfriends sometimes. I don't know why I do. I'm just I'm curious what they're up to. Like I don't like them. I have no desire. I just want to know what they're doing, and I creep them. Do you do you creep your ex ever? Um. I can't well, speak for Helen, but I like to keep an eye on things. Alex, let's say that. Yeah, Ellie, Ellie, Ellie keeps an eye on on um on things he may post or or his current squeeze posts on um on social media, and that that yeah, let's leave it at that. Keep we, an eye out. We, we we know we know what they're up to. <laughs> I like Ellie. Ellie just seems like a bodyguard, like yeah. a really stealthy bodyguard who is, you know, nice and funny and laughs things off, but then might grab her machete when the time comes. Oh, I'll and kill you, you never in the night. I'll kill you in your fucking sleep if you come to me. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. I believe it. Especially when it's said like that, I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> but only if you really deserve it. So. Uh- <laughs> 
Oh my god. So, yeah. So I no, think Helen, I want to ask Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. I just I just think everyone needs an Ellie. Like I and, and I've said that many times and so many people on social media go, Oh, I need an Ellie in my life. Oh well, well she's fucking mine. She's she's mine now. But um yes, I think I think this is what people how people survive it is is having multiple um wingmans, wing wing women mm-hmm. uh through this because you can't get through it alone. And one yeah. of the things I had to do was ask for help because I can't do everything and 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 I was really shit at some things and also Ellie was very good at channeling the anger I'd ring her up and go oh god this has happened she went it's fucking outrageous I was like yes it is fucking outrageous and so it was great it was absolutely great anyway sorry sorry love no no no, no. that's good and if you ever need a new business model um you know, to make some extra money on the side, Ellie for hire. She could, you know, not be selling herself in that way, but as a friend, yep. you know, people can ring her up, discuss their problems, get some good, genuine advice. But I, I saw another photo posted, and Helen, it was you, five years, I think, difference, same shirt, going for a jog. And, you know, the post talked about how. Your smile is genuine. It's bigger. Your eyes are more twinkly. You're just you, and you can see it in the photo. Like you are just exuding selffulness. That's not the right word. You're exuding love and happiness. And I want to ask because your book is Get Divorced, Be Happy. Are you feeling truly happier at this point in your life? Yeah, absolutely. I feel I feel excited about my future. I feel like, yeah, I have been given a second chance or a, a new blank canvas, but also I feel stronger within myself about making decisions. And I just bought my house. This is the house that I own now outright. And that feels like a really big deal. And I remember, I think it was about this time last year that the bank had said, yes, we, we will approve the loan, you, you know, the, the mortgage for you to own your own house. And I remember talking to Ellie going, fuck, man, we've worked hard for eight years and as comedians and, and podcasters and all that sort of stuff. And because of the work we've done, I can, I can look after my children and live in the house that they were born in and things like that. And that, that, that makes me incredibly happy and incredibly proud that I've got here. So yeah, I, I'm really, really happy. And, you know, and it, and it has taken lots of therapy and lots of work and lots of exercise and all that sort of stuff. But I do feel, and I feel really happy about what the friendships that I have and, and, you know, I'm still working on lots of things. Like, I mean, look at my house. It's a complete fucking tip. But um, <laughs> slowly, Can slowly. I, just to make you feel better, I'm recording in my room and there's luggage on the bed from three weeks ago <laughs> that I still haven't unpacked. <laughs> you, you pricks. Look at my jigsaw puzzle. That's, look at, look, hang on. Can you see that? Look at <laughs> yes, that. Yes, I can. Beautiful. I like it. <laughs> How many pieces is that, Ellie? It's a thousand pieces. It's a Christmas present Good from my you. son, and it's a thousand pieces. It's a bloody nightmare, and it's this painting which I love. I love this painting, but it's a great look painting. How much white? It's and just, just white. Yellow. It's a and then just blue. It's a bloody nightmare. It's an actual nightmare. I, you I'll will do it though. On it in a, well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, depends. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Tomorrow I'll be. I'll, I'll. I'll be fiddling tomorrow when I come over. I'm like, Whoa. oh, oh, yeah. come on, that bit. That Can bit. It, yeah. But Helen, like, congrats, because that, that's a huge move. And that must be so liberating and so freeing. And I love that. And I, I really love, you know, women being able to whatever stage in their life they're in, take control in some way. And especially if it can be financially. And I know that's a long shot for a lot of women because we're still getting out of those patriarchal structures. But to be able to do that is so empowering. And like, I feel that. And I hope that listeners 
that may be going through something similar, they can feel that and that can be aspirational for them. And is there any advice, and I, I know your book is chock full, but would you have any advice for women that are, you know, maybe just going through this and just realizing that their marriage is ending? Like what would be the one thing that you would tell them? That's a really good question. I think I think the main thing I would say is that you will be happier and it's and it's hard work. I mean, one of the things oh one of the things that the couple therapist said to to me was if you stay together it's going to be hard if you separate it's going to be hard so whatever road you take it is going to be there is no easy way out of this and you cannot pretend to be happy and there is no better feeling in the world being whatever size your house is is being with your children and knowing that no one's going to criticize you you don't have to compromise anymore that your life is 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 free to be your own and that is that's the best feeling in the world and i would focus on that and i know so many women write to me i've had a couple of messages already today saying when does it get easier and it will get easier but you need to process it and it's it is like any grief or loss it it will just take time and i think ellie you you've got a really good um saying about grief being smaller you know that that fuck that, everyone that, oh no sorry yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that saying. I thought you meant the other saying. Yeah. Um, uh, no, it's not mine. To be fair, I read it somewhere. I read it on the internet, and I'm sorry I, I, to whoever came up with it. I apologise for not being able to credit them, but I'm incredibly lazy and forgetful. But um, I read this thing, and it was actually talking about grief, you know, from a bereavement. But as as I think we all know, like grief comes in different shapes and forms. It's still grief, right? And 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 what Helen's been through is a kind of bereavement and definitely a loss. So anyway, so the idea is that, and, and what I read was that. Um, you have to imagine that your life is kind of like a box there's like a box and then when when immediately the tragedy has happened the grief is like this big ball and it's huge and it's inside the box so like every time you move it like all day it just touches the sides of the box and each time it touches the side of the box it hurts you know and that's that's really painful and then slowly slowly over time the ball gets smaller which means it never goes away but it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and it doesn't touch the sides of the box as often however that consequently means that when it does touch the sides it's more of a shock because you've sort of forgotten the ball exists and you've forgotten what that sensation is like so you can still be overwhelmed by grief in the moment because you weren't expecting it at that moment but it does happen left often and you learn that as well so eventually eventually it gets it gets smaller and smaller and you'll be fucking fine in a nutshell that's what it says it will be all right Absolutely. I I think that's amazing. I I think you should take credit for it. But one thing I do want to give you credit for is uh, I was watching a video like a while ago when I guess the book was was published and you guys were having a party and Helen, sorry, so it was Helen's book published. Ellie, you stood up and you sang a song for Helen at this party. And I watched it like three times, guys. I'm embarrassed to say that my heart was just bursting my eyes got misty and I so appreciate and I can feel my eyes are getting misty now I'm an emotional wreck all the time <laughs> and we're here I for this all just... day don't worry <laughs> no but I, I, I appreciate the love that you guys have for each other and I really do and this is one of the joys that I get from watching you guys and just staying keeping up with things you know on your page or whatever and uh yeah, I, I just I so respect that and I so admire that. 
uh, from both of you. So thank you for that. Oh, but it was a moment. I was completely blown away by it. It was so beautiful. And uh, this was at the book launch and then everyone else, we all just burst into tears. It was, it was, yeah. it was really beautiful. And my brother was playing the piano. Uh, yeah. So that was a very beautiful thing. He did fuck it up, but it was all right. I mean, you <laughs> carried on, Ellie. Thank, thank, thankfully. Um, and actually, but, yeah, that no. song I, I did write that song. Just it's a parody song. I didn't. Again, I did. I can't take credit for writing the actual <laughs> song. Um, but that song I did just write it for Helen and just for that that event. And that's that's all it was. But yeah, I really liked singing it, and I really felt it, and people seemed to like it. And we mm-hmm. ended up actually putting it in the show for the Christmas show. Oh, it's amazing. Um, and so we performed it, which on the one hand feels like, you know, when you say it like that, it feels like a very cynical exploitation of what was meant to be a very heartfelt piece of emotional uh, contribution. But in actual fact, um, I've never been able to sing it without almost crying, even on stage, even oh. though I'm wearing a silly bunny bit in, in the stage. It's a British advert. You have to have seen it, but it's called The Bear and the Hare. And Helen comes out in a giant bear outfit. And we did it a lot before Christmas. And I, I can't, I still cannot sing it without getting a lump in my throat and and it is amazing to look over at the audience and you see and that's part of what gets me upset is you see a lot of women with their arms around each other or they're holding hands mm-hmm. or they're streaming with tears and you see their friendship and you think god that's you know aren't we lucky aren't we so lucky we're lucky to have each other me and helen but is aren't we lucky as as women to to have friends like this who are who are there you know um and perhaps you know i do, I do hope one day we can meet you in real life alex and then we can all sob together about how marvelous we are perhaps that would be nice guys i can't wait i can't wait <laughs> get me get me a pint and i am in yes. all i need is a pint these days to get real emotional and <laughs> you can bring the bloke <laughs> with the mustache if you want but we're not that he's, bothered he's either he's way right that one yeah, yeah. seems quite good quite like him perhaps we'll send he him loves off, you guys we'll send him off to the he's... football with pete i don't know <laughs> No, he was sad. He was sad that he couldn't be here in uh, in the interview today, but because um, it is such a good time. And truly, thank you for giving me your time today so selflessly, guys. I really appreciate it, and for sharing so selflessly and so candidly. I I really appreciate it, and I feel like fuller for this conversation. Aww. I feel I'm gonna go into this day, and I'm gonna smash today because I. Guys, I can't even speak right now. Oh my You're God. doing very I need well. a new coffee. Don't worry. It's okay. <laughs> no, but really, thank you. Bottom line, you guys are the best. I have so much fucking fun talking to you. Oh, and, and, we, and we love it. And this thank is just, you. We're now all just licking each other's assholes. But honestly... <laughs> We love, I don't mind. We love you guys. And we spend a lot of time like in the van together on tour. And like one of us will, will show the other one a thing that you've done. And we'll go, oh, look at this. And we'll go, oh, I love them. They're so funny. And then one of us will go, oh, I know. And they're so beautiful, aren't they? Oh, they're so beautiful. <laughs> they're so funny and so beautiful. And yet we still adore you. So you must, the, the talent to achieve that from us. It's amazing. So See, it's, 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 it's like we're Helen and one of her younger boyfriends just in all the holes yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> but guys have a great rest of your day again thank you so much and wishing you guys all the best yeah same to all you. right and to before we say goodbye where can people get the book and where can people follow scummy mummies and your tours everything you guys are doing well, yes, just go to scummymummies.com for all our um, podcasts, live dates. We've got a shop uh, if you want to buy some merchandise. But my book is available um, around the world on Audible. It um, Get Divorced, Be Happy, and you can get it on Kindle. And um, I think you can buy it in Australia and in the UK as awesome. a book. Yeah. 
And Scummy Mummies. Where can people go to find you there? At scummymummies.com. Yeah. Yeah. And we're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And yeah, the podcast comes out every fortnight. So yeah, get involved. Fortnight. Fortnite for folks in Canada is every two weeks. Yes. I think that's just, yeah, just that's clarifying right. for the listeners. Yeah, sorry. Thank you for Nothing to do with the popular but unpleasant video game. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you so much and have a lovely day. You too. Nice to see you. Bye. Bye. That was the Scummy Mummies. I loved it. I loved it. And for like 10 minutes after that interview, we just kissed each other's asses. And uh, it was a huge love fest, basically. Like online? Yes, with words. Okay, nice. I know I didn't think literal, but I thought maybe you were on the Zoom just talking about having a postmortem. Yeah, well, that's kind of what that's was going what... on, but yeah, 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 on the Zoom. Oh, but uh, wow. they are amazing. And again, thank you so much, Helen, for being so vulnerable, for sharing so much and letting me pick your brain. You know, I was just kind of asking her whatever came to my head. Picking then... her brain, kissing her ass. <laughs> what else did <laughs> We you got do? all into each other, but... And then Ellie as well, asking her so many questions about, you know, how to help somebody that you love cope with a situation like this, because that is something that I am inherently bad at and always struggle to do. So that was so helpful. And again, uh, both women with so much humor. So like one of my favorite interviews, hands down. But let's get to my favorite part, which is the mailbag segment. You've taken the listener questions Put them into Google searches or something. I don't know what you do. You answer them. You come back here and I'm along for the ride. Well, they're all over the place. All right. Some are personal. Some needed to be searched. The first one's personal. She says, just curious how your job works. I'm in education in the U.S. Do you get to pick up days that you work? Is it similar to being a substitute teacher in the U.S.? Yeah. So basically, I get to pick up jobs as I want them. They give me calls. I say, this is available. I say yes or no. And just goes like that. If I don't want to work or if we don't have childcare that day, then I'll take the day off and stick at home. So it's probably the exact same. Well, you take the day off that job. Usually you're working. Well, exactly. Sometimes harder from home. Often harder. You know, the social media podcast work plus the kids are typically here. So if they see me milling about doing work, they get in my in my space. You're the boss. You're there. So it's it's tough. Next question. And I love this one. Is COVID dick real? Urologists are saying it is. Apparently, a man's penis became four centimeters shorter after having COVID. Have you heard of this, Shane? I have COVID dick? No, I have not heard of. Okay. So COVID dick, it was last week, uh, an article was published by Slate and it was, it was in a podcast or something, but it was discussing um, this man who had COVID wrote into Slate about how he had quote unquote COVID dick. And after having COVID, he suffered from erectile dysfunction and his penis shrunk an inch and a half. It was four inches originally. Now no, no, four centimeters. Okay. I think this is just a prank. I used to call into radio shows and say I had strange conditions <laughs> like this myself. So this is not factual, I don't believe. It is. Okay, never so mind then. So this is a thing. And urologists and doctors are studying it. And it has been confirmed that this is actually How come a no symptom. no one's talking about it? Because nobody probably wants to admit it. Or they're in shock and they can't even process it themselves. Because they're looking at their piece and they're like, that that doesn't look the same. And then they don't want to talk about it with anybody. I'm pretty sure guys would talk if their penises were shrinking by an inch and a half. This would be like all over the news. Not everybody is getting it. But it is for some men. So I, I wrote down... Men, so this was in my research, but men who get COVID are three times more likely to get erectile dysfunction 
after getting COVID. Um, and then sometimes erectile dysfunction can lead to shrinkage. And COVID itself could possibly lead to shrinkage if it affects the penile tissue and directly damages the surrounding blood vessels, which apparently can happen if you get certain kinds of COVID or get certain symptoms. But it can also be due to indirect effects of infection on the immune system, which can trigger damaging inflammation in your penis. I wonder if COVID can make your penis larger in some cases. <laughs> think so maybe temporarily if it all swells up before it fizzles back down you never know but anyway none of your friends have mentioned this never no it's all over the internet right now so i didn't hear about it and then i looked it up and then it was like you know newspaper article after newspaper article saying you know as scary as this sounds yes doctors are believing that covid dick is real and it's is it permanent the shrinkage i think so wow yeah it's hard to believe. <laughs> Not so but hard you to heard believe. It. I heard it here first, I guess. Do you What's... like my joke? What? You said hard to believe, and I said not so hard to believe. That's good. Erectile dysfunction. No, I missed it. <laughs> I'm not used to your quips like this. All right. Next question. Do you and Shane ever have recurring arguments? Yes. That's all, all our, we have. All, all of our arguments. I don't think we've had an original <laughs> argument. All of our arguments are arguments that we've had uh, approximately 500 times over, which makes them all the more annoying and makes us all the more arguier. Yeah, the argument is always, why didn't you do that thing you, I asked you to do? That's our only argument I think we ever have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There is no other argument. And I assume it's like that for a lot of couples too. But anyway, next question. A woman is putting her baby up for adoption after she found out that the sperm donor lied about ethnicity and background. She is suing him. Thoughts on this. First he lied about all, his ethnicity? Yeah. Okay. So do I think she should be able to put her baby up for adoption? No. But then do you want somebody having this baby that doesn't want the baby? I think this woman obviously has a lot of issues. But I think if you're going into something like that, Wait, you, you though, can't you're not be allowed sure. to change your mind if you adopt a child? You can't. No, she's. It's, it was a sperm donor. And now she wants to put the baby up for adoption. I know, but when you have a baby, can't you put it up for adoption at any time you want? Yeah, but usually there's like re I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Anyway, I it's not the child's fault and you know, she is preparing on loving this child so much and then it comes out and the child doesn't look how she wants it to look or something, I'm assuming. And that's so awful and it's so sad. And then maybe yeah, maybe the best option is that she doesn't have that kid cuz I don't think she deserves that kid. However, I definitely think she should be able to sue that the the clinic or the man or whoever she needs to sue because, you know, if you are specific about what kind of sperm donation you want and you're doing it through the proper channels, you should be able to get the kind of sperm you want. And for them to screw that up intentionally or otherwise, unintentionally, obviously, uh, I do think that's a massive mistake. And I do think that she should be able to sue them. All right. Next question. Do you think it's cruel for parents to give their kids an unusual name or different spelling? And I think only if you are intentionally giving your kid a wacky name like some celebs do. But we have a really good podcast interview on this with Elamine Abdelmamoud. And he talks about the name that he gave his daughter, Amna, when she was born. And, you know, he gave her his difficult, long last name that's difficult for a lot of Canadians to say. And he said that he wanted it to be a burden and a gift 
because their entire family experience is, is bound to that name and tied to it. And it's so beautiful and there is so much beauty in it. And learning how to correct people to say it properly and things like that can help give her so much confidence, so much self-assurance. And I think it is so beautiful. Go listen to that interview and he will explain, you know, giving your child a difficult name, especially if it's a family name and, and the importance that that could have. And wacky. It's so hard to like, what is a, a wacky name? I guess there's ones that we would consider. Elon Musk's kid? What's that one? Is it not even? It's letters. It's like that A-E letter that's like on the keyboard. It's like Ash 37X. But in 20 years, maybe everyone's going to have that. That could be normal. It could be, but I hope that people aren't like, let's do what Elon Musk did just because Elon Musk. I hate that guy. Why do we hate him again? Because he's a billionaire? He's, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't like any of the billionaires. All right. It just feels like he's trying to help the planet and make how eco, well, the cars. Well, yeah, and he's making billions in the process. Yeah, and potentially getting rid of gas-run cars in the the process, which would help the world a lot. Well, is he going to, like, supply gas or, sorry, uh, electric cars to the people that can't afford them? I don't know. I think the more ubiquity they have, the more affordable they become. Okay, do you know what makes him sound like a big supervillain? Not just the fact that he's going to space and, you know, taking over the planet with his companies. He has some company. I got to look into it. It's like earth boring something. He has a company that makes giant, giant drills and is drilling tunnels in the earth's crust. Why? I'm sure there's an explanation. Have I looked into it? No, because I like to assume it's for nefarious purposes. But also... I think he's planning if the world just becomes so overrun that we could jump in a pod and go to Mars. Who's He's only going to take the rich people. It's going to be like, don't look up. You can only take the rich people. He's not going to take at first, us. At first. But, you know, we could be mid-level to go up. I don't know. I'm just, it's, <laughs> I just think the idea that we have to hate all billionaires is not a good – I don't like – Hating people. Okay. Well, you know what? Not because he's a billionaire. We were talking at the beginning of this episode about, you know, the leaving families and cheating on wives and the whole thing like that. He's been cheating on his wife? Well, he left his wife that supported him through a startup and has like three children with and then was dating Grimes, the Canadian, fellow Canadian, had the kid and now they're broken up. Okay. We don't know what Grimes did to him. True, but I'm pinning. I heard he was in an elevator with Amber Heard. You heard he was in it. <laughs> okay. And do we like Amber Heard? Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Okay. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, do you ever get tired of having to justify your choices? For example, the comment about kissing kids on lips or your vegan pants. I'm still shocked how many people feel the need to comment about it. So this person's referring to, I uh, posted a picture of kissing Lucy on the lips. Like we were just washing dishes together and giving each other a peck. And somebody commented underneath, this makes me feel totally uncomfortable. And I said, hey, like, can you please not, you know, comment negatively or sexualize the fact that I'm kissing my child on the lips. And uh, she said, I'm not sexualizing it, (laughs) acting like you're the weirdo for even suggesting it. I'm just saying it makes me sick. And I, if you don't want me to express my opinion, sorry, maybe I won't comment on your page anymore. And then I chimed in and I was like, just don't. If you have this thought, 
don't say it. I have thoughts when I see someone eating a sandwich with mayonnaise on it <laughs> that that sandwich makes me sick. Or if someone's eating fish it, and I see a photo, I'm like, oh, I don't like fish. So that photo is actually grossing me out a little bit. But I don't comment fish is gross, like get another sandwich or whatever, because that would be rude. I would me love to, do that. to see that. Get another sandwich, Shane. So we don't have to say every thought in our head, even if something is <laughs> making us feel uncomfortable, like yeah. the kiss. And if it's not sexual, then what's the problem? What's the comment about? Then she sends you this huge explanation, making somewhat more sense of it. And it's like, yeah, that comment would be maybe more acceptable if you had put that instead of just the, yeah. ew, this is make this weirds me out or whatever it was send the long explanation and make it seem like you have a a pulse and you care about people and you're not Mm -hmm. just trying to be rude yeah and and ultimately you know if me giving my kids a peck on the lips makes you uncomfortable that's on you for whatever reason and they're valid reasons i'm sure they are but our experiences are all different and again not on me. She deleted the comment. Yeah. And then and then stopped following me, <laughs> which I'm fine with. And then there was another person. Um, I was just sharing these awesome vegan leather pants that Shane got me for Christmas. I really love them. And the person messaged and they said, don't you know that vegan leather pants are basically made out of plastic? And don't you talk about wanting to give up plastics? And I'm like, yeah, I want to give up household plastics and things that, you know, maybe we use too much. This is the only pair of vegan leather pants I've ever bought in my life. And I'm going to own them for like the next decade and love them. But no clothing can be recycled in the way like we're we were saying in our True Earth ads that like 80 percent or 90 percent of things you put in the recycling bin can't be recycled. Mm -hmm. Whether it's vegan leather, real leather, cotton, it can't be put in a recycling bin and recycled. You can donate it to secondhand shops. And I guess that is a form of recycling and a more effective one than putting things in blue bins, apparently. But her point made no sense. It's like, do I just not buy any clothing again? Any pants, (laughs) any shoes? And and here's the I barely do as it is. I don't shop a lot. And when I do get something, it's because I love it, right? So... That is the baseline and yeah, it is so annoying and I don't mind justifying though because if one person is saying that outright to me, I'm sure somebody else is thinking it. So I never mind because then in that justification, then you usually get better dialogue and you get to hear somebody else's point of view about something. You get to explain why, you know, I can say why something's important to me. And I think that ultimately the dialogue that comes from somebody trolling is awesome and i think it's fine the next question what is lucy and betty's relationship like folks it has come a long way it has come such a long way for the first hour that they knew each other i was like oh my gosh we're off to an amazing start this is gonna be great then it was what horrendous how would you describe it i don't know just how you'd expect yeah like lucy wasn't happy betty was around taking up the love and attention don't want to share no, no. Anyway, it, it was tough for a period, but they are great now. The older Betty gets, the more Lucy can see, oh, she's not just like this baby. She's actually somebody I can play with. She's a friend. And that's what a sister is. A sister is a friend. So like all weekend, like right now at the cottage, they are having so much fun together. 
It's so cute to see Lucy's actually going up to Betty and like sharing her treats, which she would never do before. If she has a piece of chocolate or something, she'll go up against the rules and give a little piece to Betty or give her a toy or something. And it warms my heart so much. Nothing makes me happier than seeing this. The two things that shot out of me are just love each other and as they should. They shot out of me too. (laughs) Yeah. gross okay last question shane this one's all you okay what is your taco bell order this person's asking us but you always do the order so what do we get we get a gordita crunch each we get a fry supreme we get a chili cheesy burrito yeah chili cheese so chili good. cheese burrito uh i don't like the fire sauce so we mm-hmm. just get mild and medium sauce or hot it's just fire i don't know what's wrong with it at taco bell but this fire sauce isn't not nearly as good as mild medium and hot which basically all tastes the same <laughs> Said Fry Supreme? Uh, I don't know. Say it again. Yeah, Fry Supreme. And we also get those little dessert balls. Oh, my God. So they used to have the dessert, which were these cinnamon twisties, which are good in theory, but to crunch on your teeth, it's uncomfortable. It's almost like nails going down a chalkboard just to eat this kind of tasty treat, dessert. But now they have these churro balls, which are filled with cream cheese icing. And they're very delicious. And if I didn't know any better, I would think they come from like a five-star restaurant, how good they taste. You could put this on a plate and charge me $15 for them Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't bat an eye. They are that good. And I like a hard taco. You don't like hard tacos as much? Not as much, but I, I do appreciate them when you get them. I, but you, I don't, I never order you one. I just order myself an extra hard taco. I do not like the Dorito tacos at Taco Bell. Don't do that. I don't even, I don't like Taco Supreme tacos. Mm, I don't like all the layers. Yeah. Well, you like actually the Crunch Wrap Supreme, which is a bunch of layers. You like that. But not, in, I don't like it in burrito form. Okay. That's our order. <laughs> Enjoy. And if you're looking at getting Taco Bell for the first time, because we've been talking about it so much lately, I really hope you enjoy. Get our order. See what you think. Have a feast. It's Mexican food. It's all the same. Anything you get from Taco Bell pretty much tastes like that. It's just these are a little notch above. But is that everything? That's all. That is. And if you could give us a five-star rating, we would appreciate it. But if not, just thanks so much for listening to This This Family Family Tree Tree Podcast. Podcast. Episode 117.